0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, January the 17th, 2023. As always, the newspaper is full of weird news, often bad news, New York Times leading with The justices are skeptical of various things about Trump. Meanwhile, on the foreign stage, uh, most of the headlines are dominated by both the Israel-Hamas war, as the New York Times puts it, and an Iranian strike in Pakistan, the broadening, perhaps, of war in Iran. Ukraine isn't in the headlines, at least today or at least you have to look down the front page of the New York Times to find the domestic political controversy about uh, Johnson digging in against the border deal to unlock Ukrainian aid, uh, political conflict between Speaker of the House Johnson and Biden. Biden fighting back, inviting congressional leaders to the White House. So in many ways, the Ukraine war has become... As much an overseas, uh, as much a domestic story in the United States, as an overseas one. But the war, of course, hasn't gone away. Nor has Ukraine's seemingly ubiquitous leader, uh, Zelensky. He was at Davos this weekend. I was actually uh, at the pre-Davos DLD event last week. He's been speaking to world leaders about the war, calling for peace. Uh, not new weapons, interestingly enough, and of course, as so often when Zelensky speaks, he criticizes Vladimir Putin. He he argued in Davos yesterday that Putin's war must not become frozen, whatever that means. It seems as if Zelensky is a new kind of leader, perhaps for a new kind of war. One man who knows more perhaps about uh, Vladimir Zelensky, and I apologize if i'm not pronouncing him right is my guest today simon schuster he has a new book coming out called the showman inside the invasion that shook the world and made a leader of vladimir uh, zelensky um simon is joining us from new york he is uh senior correspondent as well at time magazine spent years with zelensky to write this book congratulations simon on the new book um Is he a new kind of leader? A lot of people have suggested that he is a a leader for our social media saturated 21st century. Is there any truth to that? I'd say so. Yeah, I think his particular skill set, um, was
1: unique, a unique fit to the way that we all, uh, consume news about, about wars, um, through our, through our screens these days. You know, um, I, I thought while writing this book a lot, you know, what what would it take um, uh, to be Winston Churchill in the age of TikTok? And and I guess Churchill would have to, you know, get out his smartphone and start making um, uh, videos on the fly. Um, it's just the, the way that we engage with the world, um, you know, th- through our screens. Um, and President Zelensky was, I think, particularly uh, adept at, you um, uh, making sure that the world saw the image of the war he wanted us to, um, of, of constructing the narrative that uh, kept the world on his side, that, that ensured for as long as possible that, um, as he put it, uh, people did not scroll away, change the channel. Um, and, and that was uh, his, one of his main contributions to, to Ukraine's survival. Um, he kept the world, uh, certainly the Western world and democracies, on his side. Uh, to to the point where they were providing enormous amounts, you know, tens of billions of dollars worth of uh, military supplies and financial aid. Um, And he did that by, uh, you know, keeping on message uh, and and delivering the message as forcefully as he could through um, his speeches, uh, his social media posts. Um, So he is a leader, a wartime leader for the, the Internet age, for the age of social media.
0: Many are called, few are chosen. Everyone fancies themselves, Simon, as Winston Churchill in the age of TikTok. Zelensky is delivered, as you say. Did he always know what he was doing, or has this whole process been iterative? Of course, he's famous as not having a great deal of political training, formerly a comedian. Was there something haphazard, arbitrary, coincidental, accidental, lucky about all this, or... Or was there always a plan in what he was doing?
1: Uh, I think he's improvising, uh, you know, as, as, I describe in the book, when I, when I write about his, um, uh, early years as a comedian and, and, how he got into show business, you know, his particular specialty on the stage, certainly one of them was improv comedy where you're, you're put on the stage and someone shouts out, you know, you're a chef at a French restaurant, right? And you have to go and, and do that, do a sketch on the fly um that was kind of one one of the things he did well while performing um and in many ways that adaptability that flexibility that ability to, to um uh, put on a new persona on the fly to to uh, take on new personalities uh to adapt to new realities um, has really a- allowed him to um morph and change his career over the years he's you know his transition from comedy into politics was also a very stark and quite uh, abrupt one i don't think he was ready in the traditional sense uh, of having some kind of well thought out or detailed program about what he would do you know he had he had basically no understanding of economic policy or international affairs um you know and i, I know this from talking to him on the campaign trail he really didn't have any very good answers or very thought out answers to questions of, of policy but uh, when he got into the, into the office of the president, yeah, he, he um, uh, began winging it. Uh, that, that is something he's very good at. And I think during the invasion, that skill served him well um, because he was able to, um, you know, not freeze up uh, when uh, the risks to, to his life were so immediate and also the, the circumstances of his leadership changed overnight. You know, no one is really prepared for an invasion by a nuclear superpower that wants to kill you kill your family take your entire country over there's no um, set of skills or a
0: career path that really prepares you for something yeah, you like can't that. go to, you can't be trained on that i think the yeah. churchill comparison's interesting because of course churchill was a great war leader but not a particularly great peacetime leader in the in in, in britain either before the second world war or after You talk about Zelensky's training in improv comedy. Is he like perhaps Churchill and other great war leaders creating what we might think of as improv politics? Is that what his skill set is made up of?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could also, in in that sense, at least compare him to Donald Trump.
0: uh, Yeah, I want to compare. I didn't (laughs) want to bring up Trump because he's... (laughs) annoyingly ubiquitous but yes. there there, there seem to be a lot of comparisons between the two men yeah
1: I mean we'll we'll, we'll leave Trump out of it for now yeah I mean uh, no no include him you brought him up so he's your responsibility don't blame <laughs> me for bringing him up now I've got to run with it I mean I think early on uh, President Zelensky when he when he took office he um he believed I, I think rather naively that he could um, find common ground with Trump and, and get along with him better because they were both outsiders to politics. They were both from the entertainment industry. You know, Trump famously was a, a reality TV star. Um, so I, I think uh, that um, gave Zelensky hope that he would be able to kind of, you know, um, break the ice with him. That certainly was not the case. You know, their relationship was was very rocky from, from the start. And I devote a chapter in the book to the first impeachment of President Trump uh, in 2019, uh, a scandal in which, uh, you know, Pre- President Zelensky um, was, was right there on the stage with Trump. Um, but going back to the Churchill comparison, I wanted to, to, to say a bit about that as well. Um, you know, in I, one of our conversations for the book, I, I um, asked Zelensky what he thought about Churchill um, and all, all the comparisons that are so frequently made between him and Churchill um he wasn't so keen on on that analogy um he uh, had read a book uh it was, it was a book that boris johnson actually gave him about churchill um and he Zelensky wasn't so enthusiastic about churchill's record as an imperialist um and his defense no, he of-
0: wasn't uh churchill was uh, we've done a number of re- shows up with revisionist thinkers and authors on Churchill. he was an a noted racist. He was very pro-Jewish, but very anti-Indian, very anti-people with dark skins.
1: Yeah, so that that's a, a big turnoff for Zelensky, I think, because fundamentally Zelensky sees this insofar as he, he thinks, you know, kind of deeply and ideologically about this war. He sees it as a um, anti-imperialist war, uh, a war to break the bonds, the, the last remaining bonds of empire between Russia and Ukraine. Um, uh, and, you know, he, when I asked him that question about Churchill, he he brought up um, other figures from Churchill's era, um, notably Charlie Chaplin. Um, and he said, uh, you know, there were these artists like Charlie Chaplin who used the power of their art, the power of their performances, to, um, to wage war against evil. Um, Charlie Chaplin famously made fun of Hitler during the Holocaust. Uh, and, you know, Zelensky suggested that he saw himself more in that lineage, uh, you know, as, a, as an artist, as a communicator, um, who uses the the power of his words uh, uh and, and he he there's a famous there's a line that, that really stuck with me um from from that conversation he said that uh, you know sometimes the influence of these artists is more powerful than artillery uh that's how that's how he sees you know the weapons he uses these are the weapons of uh, communication information speech making social media and so on
0: yeah, uh, the comparison with Chaplin's interesting. interesting. Um, Chaplin was, of course, persecuted after, or at least in the United States, chased out of the country as a communist sympathizer. Does Zelensky Simon have a politics? Is he a man of the left, of the right? Is he just a straightforward nationalist, a liberal? How would you summarize his politics?
1: uh it's it's a great question and i've thought about it a lot I, I think he doesn't he doesn't have an ideological political core in that sense um it's it, he he never had one um in his in his comedy you know his, his comedy was was generally political so he was he was uh, most famous as a political satirist uh but he would make and he more, had much
0: satire of course in ukraine yeah yes there are some very colorful
1: characters in ukrainian politics to uh poke fun at and and to to develop impersonations of but he made fun of them across the board um and you know these kinds of labels of you know right wing left wing nationalist they don't apply to him he is uh flexible almost to the point of being chameleon-like in his ability to adapt to the situation he's in um, and also to follow the will of the people i I think if there's one thing that guides him uh, and maybe one flaw in his character that i would point to uh is his need to be loved his need to be applauded by the masses um, th- this is something that that he's uh, talked about even even in the context of his early career as a comedian the pleasure that he got from going out on the stage overcoming his fear making the audience laugh and then just feeding off of their affirmation of the applause adulation that he got from the audiences this is something that he you know this is his addiction um, and uh, you know you see that in politics as well. It was a difficult transition for him into politics because in politics you are not applauded all the time <laughs> the way that a performer or a comedian is. You get a lot of criticism. He was very sensitive to criticism early on. You know, to some extent he still is. That's kind of the flip side of that uh, that character trait, right? If, if you need to be uh, loved by the masses, when they start to turn on you, it's especially painful. Um, yeah, so that that's um, that's something that guides him, I think, more than ideology. Um, so uh, all of that, you know, uh, would would suggest that if the public opinion in Ukraine were to change in terms of what the people want to see, the way that they want to see this war proceed, progress, um, I think he would adjust his 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 messaging and his strategy to to fit with um, the will
0: of the people. It's interesting that you bring up um, Charlie Chaplin, of course, as you know and Zelensky noted Chaplin fought Hitler by mimicking him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Physically, they weren't that dissimilar, Chaplin and Hitler, so Chaplin could get away with it in The Great Dictator. Of course, just as Hitler was Chaplin's other, uh, Putin is Zelensky's other. Does that give him, you mentioned that he wants to be loved and that he doesn't perhaps have an ideological centre, but does having Putin as his core enemy his other his reverse does that at least give him some ideological foundations maybe for individual rights for democracy all the things that putin's against yeah
1: no def- definitely D- to that extent you know as i said earlier uh, anti-imperialism is now uh, I would say, you know, foundational to Zelensky's ideology insofar as he has kind of a, a strong ideology. So um, destroying the, the bonds of empire. Um, and he he considers China and the United States also as like empires, as, as he told me. So the, the big countries of the world bullying smaller countries, forcing them to do things they don't want to do. That's something that he kind of fundamentally uh, wants to resist um, in, through his leadership. So, yeah, and, and in the book, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin is also quite a, a significant character in the in the book. Uh, you know, he is uh, a foil to Zelensky. He the contrast between their personalities, I think, could hardly be starker. Um, in you know one one example is just you remember the way that Putin kept everyone at a distance. He's a very isolated, cold leader. Uh, and you remember early in the invasion, twenty twenty two, there were these meetings that he would have with certain guests. Uh, also in the months leading up to the invasion, where he would keep them at a distance of, you know, 10, 20 meters in these ridiculously long tables. uh, Whereas Zelensky is much more, as a politician, the kind of uh, back-slapping, baby-kissing, handshaking type of, you know, warm human connection um, that that he tries to build with with, uh, the, the public.
0: We are speaking with Simon Schuster, the author of a major new book on Vladimir uh zelensky the showman it's out next week i want to remind everyone that such high quality conversation is brought to us by an excellent new quarterly liberties a journal of culture and politics all our guests actually will get annual subscriptions including uh simon schuster going to run a short feature and then we'll be back with simon to talk more uh zelensky so don't go away anyone we'll be back in a second beyond the news the noise there is nuance insight and you can subscribe to liberties at libertiesjournal.com we're speaking with simon schuster the author of the showman simon before the break you talked about how putin was icy scared of people and 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 zelensky is is the reverse of course um, putin's own personal history at least according to some of his biographers was rooted in the experience as a KGB officer in in Leipzig after the war came down and the fact that he almost got lynched in the in the riots after that is there anything in zelensky's history that marked him that shaped him beyond the experience of the, the russian invasion perhaps as a younger man as a, as a child as a uh, as 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 an actor as a as a comedian
1: yeah yeah definitely a a couple things come to mind you know from the earlier days of his of his comedy career um you know he started performing in a comedy league uh whose center was moscow so he he moved to moscow with his comedy troupe um from uh uh, his hometown um a a province a a provincial city uh, not very big i think many people um in in russia could hardly find it on a map uh, and he moved from this small town to Moscow to, you know, participate in these comedy competitions um, in, in, at the end of the 1990s, and the beginning of the 2000s. Uh, and I think one formative experience for him there was, you know, finding himself as a, as a Ukrainian, also as a Jew, um, in the context of these somewhat haughty Moscow um, intellectual elites and television producers, showrunners. Uh, they looked down on him, they looked down on his on his crew, uh, his his wife, uh, uh, in one of our interviews, described this in fairly stark terms. She said that, you know, everyone who was not from Moscow um, in this comedy league was always treated like slaves, uh, you know, forced to kind of always prove themselves um, uh, and, and uh, look down upon. So I think that was a, a kind of Russian chauvinism that um, Zelensky encountered there really for the first time. It didn't seem to uh break his general view that russia and ukraine um were to some extent uh, brotherly nations i think that view persisted in him much longer even after that but that encounter with with russian chauvinism in in the kind of comedy world uh in moscow i think you know was a bit of a wake-up call to him about where he stood as a ukrainian with respect to to the, the, the russians who who were you know their imperial capital um, formed their world view of themselves as um, somehow superior to the Ukrainians and superior to many of the other republics of the former Soviet Union, uh, you know, even long after the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, so I, I think that that was uh, in, instructive. That kind of chauvinism continued to appear in his life uh, and, and in the life of Ukraine, certainly. Um, and
0: in some ways,
1: that chauvinism
0: is at the root of the invasion that we saw in 2022. You spent a lot of time with him for this book, both him and his family, four-year coverage. You're, as I said, you're the senior correspondent of Time. A C- couple of questions on that. Firstly, clearly he, he must have trusted you. I- I'm guessing he doesn't trust anyone, everyone. Um, what established your bond with him? Uh, and secondly, often these kind of charismatic politicians, when the lights go on, they're one person and then when you turn the camera off that there's somebody else. What's he like privately when when no one's watching him?
1: Well, my relationship with him um, developed since March of 2019 when we met, he was running for president. And I um, was sent by my editors to write a story about the presidential campaign um, in Ukraine at the time. Um, So I met him backstage of his comedy show, um, which sort of doubled as a campaign rally. Uh, in March of 2019. Um, it was an interesting night because there was a, a bomb threat at the theater that night, so he was quite nervous and jittery because of that. He decided to continue with the show despite the bomb threat. Um, they hadn't found any explosives in the theater, but uh, it was still a bit of a, a bit dicey. Um, so anyway, I got to know him uh, that night a little bit. Uh, we we went after the show to talk in his dressing room, uh, did an interview, um, and then when he went, won the elections, you know, I, I followed his career closely. I stayed in close touch with him and his administration. This was not unusual for me. You know, I've been covering Ukraine and Russia for 17 years now. Um, Zelensky was the third um, pr- president of Ukraine that I profiled and, 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 and interviewed and met, spent time with there um, in the presidential compound. So that's that's my specialty, uh, Ukraine. It's nothing unusual for me to to be uh, following closely the work of the Ukrainian president. Uh, And, you know, over time, I profiled him again, I I did a number of interviews with him before the invasion. We traveled together to uh, the front lines in in East Ukraine about a year before the full-scale invasion um, to see, you know, the Russians kind of gathering their troops at the border. Um, And, you know, over time, we just kind of got to know each other. He got used to seeing me around. Um, I think no less importantly th- than, than my direct relationship and rapport with him was, was with his advisors, his um, kind of gatekeepers who facilitate the access and, and uh, manage his schedule. Um, so all of that, uh, when the invasion started, um, allowed me to approach them and, and say, I'd like to write a book. Um, will you uh, allow me to hang around and, and talk to you all and, and try to try to chronicle how you have experienced the war, how you've responded to it? Um, and they, they said, yeah, fine, go for it. You know, we know you, somebody should probably be doing something like that. We don't have time to, but, uh, you know, knock yourself out.
0: And what about when the lights go out? What's he like? Yeah. When the the camera lights go off, that is. I don't know what he's like when the actual lights go on. I don't
1: think there's such a, there's such a, there's like a mask that comes off when the, when the cameras turn off. I wouldn't say that he's, uh. So he's the same guy pretty much on and off
0: camera, yeah. on and off screen. On and off
1: camera. I, I, yes, th- that's my that's my impression. Um, you know, that that was the case. Uh, he he has transformed, uh, and the evolution of his personality is very stark, as I kind of describe in the book. You know, the Zelensky that I met in 2019 is almost unrecognizable as the same person that, that we know now, um, in, in the wartime leader. But there isn't a, a kind of um uh Zelensky, a mask he wears for the cameras. He embodies the persona that that he <laughs> that he is in, in a particular phase of his life he he, uh, he becomes that uh, that
0: person in a sense of course he's presenting himself as a kind of improv father of the Ukrainian nation of course he's also a father and a husband I know you write about that in the book how central I mean in terms of his persona in the media it seems as if his family is critical um, certainly, in contrast to someone like Donald Trump, who just uses his family as a kind of prop for his own egoism.
1: Yeah, President Zelensky certainly doesn't do that. Um, but I think his his dedication and commitment to his work, whether it's again in the olden day in the old days, uh, movie making and, and, and um, comedy, or now wartime, he makes uh, much less time for family than his wife would like. Um, in the book, The First Lady, uh, Olena Zelenska, is a really prominent figure. I'm really grateful to her for, for all the time she spent talking to me um, for the book. And she, she was an amazing resource also in correcting some of Zelensky's recollections, um, you know, uh, make, making sure that uh, he didn't uh, mislead me <laughs> in, in some of his memories of past events. Uh, and and she is a very prominent character in the book so and, and she expressed a lot of frustration over the years with um just how he how how much time he dedicates how much of himself he sacrifices for his work whatever work is in front of him whatever he's dedicated himself to uh and and how that comes at, at, the, at the at the price of of the time he spends with his children and, and his family and his wife um so he's he's very much a workaholic in that sense and, and that's been a frustrating um dimension of his character for his family for for many years
0: on x it's astonishing uh, Zelensky has 7.3 million followers and he's only following one person it, it does he listen to anyone or does he always know everything does he have advisors who he trusts who shapes what he says and when he says it.
1: Uh, yes, so he listens to his advisors. Uh, you know, I think one one tendency that that I I kind of um, it's another evolution in the book that you see is is a narrowing of the circle of advisors around Zelensky. Uh, when you when you see over the course of his of his whole professional life, really, um, it's it's narrowed now to a very small group. Whereas early in his administration, um, it was a, it was a very kind of big chaotic. Uh, um, uh, group cast of characters from different walks of life many from the worlds of entertainment um, entertainment law movie making um the startup scene a few people came from that world uh, now it's it's a much tighter group um so his uh his circle of advisors is narrower in that sense but you asked if he listens to people i think that is that is a really um Uh, important quality he has, one way that he checks the information that his uh, main advisors give him, he makes sure that they're not misleading him, is he really talks to and listens to um, the soldiers that he meets while constantly traveling around the front, um, the the regular people that he encounters. Uh, On so many occasions, I've seen him just, you know, ask random people who are kind of standing around, like, what do you think about this? You know, what do you think we should do? Um, one funny conversation I had with, with his personal photographer, uh, his name is Pasha. Um, he told me about a couple of times when, when, you know, Pasha was taking pictures of, of some meeting that Zelensky was in. And Zelensky was like, hey, Pasha, Pasha, come here, man. What, what, do you th- what, what do you think we should do here? What, what's, tell me your gut. So he tries to check, check the, the gut feeling of people around him you know it's it's kind of a, a peculiar way he has of making sure that that um his his intuition isn't misleading him and that his his professional advisors aren't misleading him
0: sometimes we've we've had um images of him in dressed in military uniform both sometimes official or unofficial what well, what's his relationship like with the formal military i'm guessing that some of the generals might be rather suspicious of a uh, an improv comedian running the country and running the war.
1: Yeah, there, there have definitely been tensions. Um, you know, the the other big relationship that I focus on in the book, apart from uh, President Zelensky and the First Lady, um, is President Zelensky and his top military commander, General Valery Zaluzhny. Um, I write a lot about that relationship, how it evolved, and the tensions that emerged there. I mean, some of them are are kind of they're they're very interesting to to they were interesting to report and to talk to both men about. know each other um but uh you know in some ways they're not surprising what what happened was generals Zeluzny feels that professionals should run the military especially at a time of war that uh, the political leadership should leave the the strategic decision making to the generals understandable perspective (laughs) um what we saw over time as the as the invasion progressed and and president Zelensky grew more confident in his own um, understanding of the battlefield and his own developed his own military priorities. Um, they began to have disagreements about, you know, questions of military strategy: when to attack, what direction of the front is is most important now, how to allocate resources to different different parts of the front. So these these kinds of disagreements um, uh, you know, took took place behind the scenes. Um, I describe some of them in in the book. In some ways, they're they're natural, but I, I think the 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 main reason for them is that you know. President Zelensky uh,
0: began to have his own views on uh, what the military needs to do. Where are we, uh, Simon, in this war? It seems to have fallen into a, a kind of World War One style stalemate. Sometimes you hear stories of Russian advances, other times Ukrainian advances. Is anyone winning this war?
1: Currently, I don't think so, no. Um, my last trip to to kiev you know one of zelensky's advisors this was in uh in the fall so october a few months ago um one of his advisors told me very starkly we are not winning (laughs) and uh he expressed some frustration that um president zelensky doesn't sound like like that he president zelensky in his public messaging uh, continues to insist on the fact that ukraine is winning um and um that uh that that you know he says things like 2024 is the year of ukrainian victory he continues to promise his people total victory in the sense of the restoration of all of ukraine's territory including the donbas including crimea um so uh you know in some ways his messaging has sort of shifted a little bit to you know, just in recent days, the speech in Davos, as you pointed out early in the program, was was interesting. That that he kind of shifted a little bit his message. Um, but no, I don't think anyone is is winning this war right now. I think I think there is a certain kind of stalemate um, on the front lines. But you know, I I'm not really one to make bold prognoses. That's not my specialty. I I work on you know what has happened, how we got here.
0: <laughs> and All right. to, well, you're but you're certainly closer to it than Uh, than I am and most I'm sure all our listeners what about his relationship with Biden Biden is a very you know he's the consummate career politician the least improv figure not very inspiring not much of a leader but competent I guess professional in his own way Uh, does Zelensky have a good relationship with Biden yeah yeah
1: he really does he really he really thinks that that Biden's heart is in the right place that he really wants to help Ukraine um, and that basically his hands are tied by the Republicans in, in Congress on Capitol Hill. Um, you know, I, maybe that's a bit of a rosy picture. I'm not such an expert in, in American politics and, and the Biden White House. Um, I, I think Biden, you know, from what I've read, Biden could certainly have been um, bolder and, and quicker in providing Ukraine all of the weapons and support that, that Ukraine needed early in the invasion. But um, I don't have the sense that that really uh, caused a lasting uh, break or tension between Zelensky and Biden. I think, uh, from everything I've heard from Zelensky and his team, they they really, you know, b- believe wholeheartedly that Biden is on their side and wants to do everything um, to help them win. Um, you know, yeah, they wish he had been faster in, in in certain circumstances. Yes, they they wish he had had more courage in standing up to Russia and not being afraid of escalation. Um, uh, but overall, you know, they they really think that he is um, a, a strong and compassionate leader and he has been really supportive of Ukraine. Um, so the relationship is good.
0: Simon, uh, you talked earlier about Winston Churchill. Churchill, of course, got lucky. Uh, the Second World War was won by Stalin and FDR and Churchill was lucky enough to break into that circle and associated with war. He wasn't much of a a peacemaker I guess Churchill it would have been hard to imagine Churchill sitting down with Hitler and making peace is Zelensky is he do you think given that hopefully this war will end at some point and hopefully in a way that won't result in the complete um defeat of Ukraine it's certainly not going to result in the, the complete defeat of Russia is Zelensky capable of sitting down and making peace with Putin? Yeah,
1: I, I think so. Um, again, as I said a little earlier, he is very sensitive to public opinion. Um, I think that you know, if the Ukrainian people begin expressing uh, a, a desire for some kind of negotiated settlement truce. Pause in the fighting. Call it what you will, a ceasefire. Um, then, then he will oblige. I don't. I don't think he will. You know, um, uh, go go against the will of the people in that respect. Um, but as as some of my the my contacts in in Kiev, also in the administration, point out that hey, you know, it's kind of up to him. You know, he shapes public opinion. Yes, he follows public opinion, but it's also his his particular skill as a communicator. If he thinks that uh, negotiations are the right thing to do, and I'm not saying they are, you know, that's not my place to to give him advice in that regard. But if he thinks that negotiations, uh, some kind of negotiations are the right way to go, then he should begin preparing the public in Ukraine for that eventuality and, and maybe not promise them total victory the way he has been doing for some months now. Um, so that, that in a way is up to him to shape to shape public opinion as well.
0: Finally, Simon, could he imagine? Could you imagine a political career for Zelensky in the piece? Or if he is able to pull off a piece, which it doesn't result in the complete defeat of uh, Ukraine and they can claim some public relations victories, uh, will he return to comedy? Will he return to Hollywood or to will he become Charlie Chaplin rather than Winston Churchill? Or do you can you imagine him being so sort of? it's sometimes very hard for people once they have so much power to retire do you think that there is a an addictive quality to power which means that Zelensky will always remain in politics rest of his life really hard to
1: predict uh you know I I, I don't know you know he's he's um he's surprised us on so many occasions that um I I don't dare to make a prognosis about what he'll do um, after politics, if, if anything. But I do remain concerned, and I sort of express this concern toward the end of the book. Um, what will Ukraine look like after the end of the war? Uh, you know, I hope the end of the war is is Ukrainian victory, but that still leaves an open question of what kind of Ukraine will it be? How democratic will it be? Um, and uh, it's important to remember that under martial law over the past two years of war, Zelensky has had extraordinary powers to essentially rule by decree. Legally, constitutionally, that is what martial law means, that power shifts from the parliament to the president, uh, that power is concentrated in, 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 the, in the presidency. Uh, but history shows that, that that kind of absolute power does become addictive and it's very hard to part with when it when the time comes. Uh, From what he says, from what we've discussed in our conversations and that he said publicly, he says it's very simple. We win the war, we end martial law, and we go back to democracy as normal, and I will step back from my my, uh, powers, uh, extraordinary powers under martial law. That is what he says. Um, I, I think, you know, I remain concerned, um I, I, I want to believe him, but I remain concerned just because of the historical precedence of how, how addictive absolute power can be. I remain concerned that he'll be able to give it up easily. I think that'll that'll be a pretty fraught transition.
0: Does he really believe that we can you quoting you, win the war?
1: Yeah, he believes it, deep down. Um he he does. He he hasn't wavered from that. You can you can say what you want about that belief. That that is that that is very um, t- to his core, he thinks that Ukraine can win.